stuff. Welcome to episode 135 of the Good Stuff Kids podcast. I'm your host, Mike Mason, and you've found the show where I talk to the creators of certified and bona fide good stuff for kids and families. And on today's show, I talk to the incredible Kenji Lopez-Alt, who is known for writing about food and the idea of using science to make our food better. You can find him on Serious Eats website. He's got something going called The Food Lab, and he literally wrote the book, The Book the Food Lab by Kenji Lopez. I'll get it and check out all of the different ways that he can help you make your food better. We talked a lot about food. We talked a lot about music because Kenji's a musician and he grew up playing music. And I think it was a little bit different for him to be able to talk about the music that he loves and the things that he likes about kids' music in particular. That was really fun and enlightening and I really, really enjoyed it. I think you're going to get a kick out of this conversation with Kenji Lopez-Alt. Here you go. This episode is dedicated to Josh the Lawyer. We got good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good stuff. Good podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's go. All right. Here we are. It's uh, we're, we're in San Mateo in an undisclosed location. <laughs> I'm here with Kenji Lopez-Alt and his daughter, Alicia. Who's going to be chiming in to talk to us? Yeah, <laughs> from time to time. From maybe. time to time, there's book. We have books here. We have chickens, vegetables, which is like all Mom. kind of appropriate. Because um, Kenji, you are uh, you're a pretty well known guy. <laughs> uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I, I, if you say called, so, it's called, it's called a humble brag. I guess. Well, I'll say it for you. You are you are well known in the uh, in the the I guess it would be like the the culinary circles as a as a food scientist and an author and recently a restaurant restaurateur is that how you say uh, without, it? it's restaurateur restaurateur okay yeah. good so off to a good start where i don't know how to say the words correctly but um tell me a little bit if you wouldn't mind mm-hmm. about your about your background just like where where you're coming from right how you got into the food game etc sure well so i wouldn't call myself a food scientist I, I'm, a, I'm a writer who writes about food science okay. um but um and my, my background um originally i was going to be a scientist um that's what i was going to school for um halfway through my college career i switched to architecture because i sort of got disillusioned with uh, the actual day-to-day lab work in biology, which is what my major originally was. Um, you know, I'd spent a couple summers working biology labs, didn't love it, um, and so changed majors and then went looking sort of for another career, um, and I kind of just fell into cooking. Um, basically, I was, I was trying to take a summer off from academic work, um, and I walked into a restaurant looking for a job as a waiter. Um, and the restaurant, they happened to have a cook that prep cook that didn't show up that morning, and they told me if I could start working immediately um, that I could have as a, jo- a job as a cook for the summer. Uh, so I said, okay, and I did it. Um, and then, I mean, ever since then, I've been cooking. Um, you know, went full-time into restaurants after college. Um, and then from there, I started working in test kitchens. Uh, at, at Cook's Illustrated, actually. Cook's Illustrated in America's Test Kitchen was where I was working, uh, doing recipe development. Um, and that was something that I really loved, recipe development. Um, because, you know, when you're cooking in a restaurant, you don't get too many opportunities to do testing. You don't really, you, you have a lot of questions that come up, but um, it's very hard to find the time to get satisfactory answers for those questions. Um, So working in a test kitchen environment, especially a place that sort of stresses the science element of it, like Cook's Illustrated does, uh, it gave me that opportunity to sort of start answering all these questions that I'd 
had for years yeah. um, as a cook in restaurants. Um, so, yeah, you know, and then I've basically been doing recipe development ever since then. Um, I was at Cook's Illustrated for a number of years, um, and then I was, uh, and now I'm currently with uh, Serious Eats, which is a website based out of New York, um, who I've been with now for, ooh, like a decade almost. Um, uh, and then a few years ago, I wrote a book um, that had, you know, compiled a lot of the stuff that I'd learned yeah. um, into a volume. Uh, it was called The Food Lab. Right. So this isn't, I mean... This is a hefty book. I think you <laughs> yeah. know that. This is a hefty book. How long did it take you to to get like from idea phase to like what I'm holding in my hand here? Uh, uh, from idea from the moment that um, it was my my old boss said Levine um, at Serious Seats who told me um, you should write a book. Um, my wife is a book agent, and so uh, I was like, okay. Yeah. Uh, from that moment until the time it was on the shelf was about five years. Wow. Um, okay. So a couple of years of recipe testing and writing. Um, I took a year to redo all the photographs in the book. Uh, and then, you know, like a year for design work and editing, um, and then like another year of production before did, it was actually Did you do show. most of the photography? Uh, yeah, yeah. The yeah. only photo I didn't take in there is there's a picture of me that I didn't take, but, <laughs> but everything else in there I took. Yeah, do you see that? You can play with it. You can play with anything. This is my sister's office. You can tear it up. It's all good. So, um... I, I do want just one note about, uh, you know, you walked into the restaurant and you, um, it was like... Boom! Like this mm -hmm. is what I should be like. I, this is what I love. I love yeah. cooking. Like I think it. Uh, it's important for me that people know that. Uh, I think it was like a Mongolian place. Like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. circular. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. It was called. It was called Fire and Ice, and it was a yeah. It was like an all you can eat Mongolian grill. Oh. My my first job was as a Knight of the Round Grill. <laughs> Um, actually, well, that was prom that was the promotion I got from Prep Cook to Night okay, of the Round Grill, okay. um, which is a pretty big you know from Prep Cook to Night yeah. is a pretty big jump. Well, um, yeah, I mean it doesn't. I guess it doesn't take long to get knighted when it comes to, <laughs> yeah. to yes. you know but whether you're working at a place like that or at like a very fancy place um you know I, i've worked at all like a whole whole range of places you know the basic work is still all the same you know working in restaurants it's about you know production and consistency um working fast thinking on your feet um so the style of food you're doing might be different and you know some styles obviously take more technical skills um but the basic um, everyday activities are pretty similar. So, you know, if you can make it in a, if you can make it in a Mongolian grill, um, then <laughs> you, you can, can probably it make it anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So I have a, I have, a, I'm not going to get locked in on Mongolian, Mongolian grill. I <laughs> but what is the thought of the, of the night of the round grill when someone comes in and there's like a three bowl stack, mm -hmm. right? Cause you choose your ingredients. There's like a bunch of meat and then yeah. all the vegetables and all the noodles. Are you like, is the thought in your head you are taking advantage of the system here? Or are you like right on way to be? Oh, well, I mean, at the place I worked, you're allowed to take as many trips up to the up to the buffet as you wanted. Yeah. So they're not really taking advantage. I mean, you know, yeah, maybe, yeah. maybe they're skipping the line a little bit by yeah. by getting a triple portion, but. <laughs> Well, it wasn't really my place is to, that, to is say that a anything there. Triple portion, or is that like a triple threat? I think it was a triple threat. So, um, so we're here in uh, we're here with your daughter, yes, Alicia. And how has being a dad, or has being a dad, changed your approach? Or are there are you thinking about things differently in terms? Of oh well, yeah, it's changed everything. I mean. You know, well, it's changed my day-to-day -day life because now I'm, um, other than the, I took a couple months off when I was opening the restaurants, but um, ever since she's been born, I've been a stay-at-home parent. Uh -huh. um, you know, so I, the one big way it's changed my approach to work is that I only work when she's napping or asleep now. Uh -huh. um, so my, my time for work has gone down significantly, but... Um, uh -huh. 
Um, you know, as far as thinking about uh, like what I feed my family and what I cook every day, um, I guess you know it's changed a little bit. Um, I do think a little bit more health consciously, um, and I and I also try and make things that I know she likes. But but you know she's we 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 do baby led weaning, which is you know where you essentially um, feed the baby what you're eating yeah. and let them and let them make their own food choices. Um, you know you don't you don't do any sort of spoon feeding into their mouth. Um, you let them select what they want to eat, uh-huh. um, and so. She's a, you know, so far she's been a very good eater. So, you know, I cook the same things that um, we would have cooked before. Maybe go a little bit heavier on like, I know she likes like soft purees. She does, yeah. I mean, you know, babies like soft purees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we also go a little heavier on vegetables um, and sort of health, healthier things. Switch to right. brown rice instead of white rice. Uh-huh. Um, but essentially we're cook- we're eating the same things that we always ate before she was born, um, including, you know, spicy things, weird, spicy weirdly things. flavored things. Yeah. She, she's building a heat tolerance. She can, she can take some mild heat right now. She's she's tried a few really hot things and then regrets it afterwards. Um, <laughs> you know, go? but my wife also when we got married she had low tolerance and she regretted yeah. doing things like that for a long That's time. So but yeah. um, but you know we just put it in front of her and she and she eats it. And she eats um, it. she cool. definitely has favorites. Yeah. Um, you know, and there's days where there's days where she won't feel like eating. Like she's like today I'm not eating any carrots and mm-hmm. she'll just put them aside. But like uh-huh. every other day she might love carrots. Very respectfully, you know? obviously yeah. she's not throwing stuff on the floor. No uh, what she does is she picks it up. She looks, so we have a, we have a couple dogs and they uh-huh. sit under her chair. So she <laughs> she picks it up, looks down to make sure the dog is there, then like stares at me and slowly right, puts her arm over the edge and just drops it, <laughs> just making yeah. sure that there's eye contact. Yeah, she so, she's so like, you know I know you're watching me doing. do this. Yeah, totally. Do you like vegetables? Yeah. You want what yeah. do you need? What do you see? Do you see a book? She likes fruits more than vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> what's um? So what's the go-to? Well, currently it's blueberries. Oh, blueberries. For a while it was raspberries. Yeah. Like one of my favorite like parental anecdotes is like we had to join Costco just because of my, uh, <laughs> my, my third kid. I have a four-year-old. Her blueberry consumption was off the charts. Yeah. So um, so I think it's interesting is you were opening a restaurant here. Yes. Right? So um, and, and at the same time you were a, a new dad and I can imagine that there's a lot of parallels between – being a new dad and sort of like, for lack of a better word, birthing the restaurant. Um, I mean, it is definitely learning uh, um, a lot of new things. You know, I'd worked in restaurants before um, and I've helped other chefs open restaurants before, but every every new restaurant is a completely different set of challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're doing a service style that I wasn't used to um, and a volume that I definitely wasn't used to. You know, the, yeah. the other restaurant, I mean, I guess the Mongolian Grill, that, that was large volume, but most other places I've worked in have been sort of fine dining places where we might do, you know, 100 or 150 customers a night. And at this place, we're now doing like, over four hundred wow. a night, which is yeah. yeah, not something I was expecting or um, or used to. Right. Um, so that's definitely been a lot of uh, a challenge and and learning how to deal with that. Um, just learning the, you know the sheer volume of prep um, and coming up with efficient ways to to plan the menu, all that kind of stuff yeah. um, has been a challenge. Um, yeah. Finding staff has been a real really has been a real challenge. Yeah, finding um, you know it, it find, finding I guess good cooks has been has been difficult. Um, you know, I'm always of the mind when hiring that I'd, I'd much rather have someone with no experience but a real passion um, and a good head on their shoulders and someone who's really, you know, interested in the project and wants to be a part of the team because they like the project. Uh-huh. Um, because you can always teach skills, um, but you can't really teach someone who doesn't care to care. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so you might you might have really good skills. You might have worked in some great places, but if you're not into the concept, um, it just makes it harder to yeah harder to get you on board yeah you know? definitely 
so the idea of passion and skills kind of leads me to the the next piece which is what what which originally brought us together which is the idea of making music yeah so what's your what's your musical backstory well i was i, I my you know i i had a one of those moms who made us all play music when uh-huh. we were kids so i've been playing violin since i was three years old wow. um and you know she would she would you know, she did a lot, put a lot of work into it. She would come to all her lessons with us. She would watch us while we practice. Um, um, she would, if she was going out and we were supposed to be practicing, she would make us record ourselves and then she would listen back to it uh-huh. um, to make sure that we'd been practicing. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, I had one of those parents and I, and I practiced violin for a couple hours every day uh-huh. um, up until college. And then, and then I, you know, I continued playing through college. I, I had a minor in music uh, oh, composition cool. uh-huh. in college as well. Um, uh, and you know, even when I was in high school, I was considering going to a music, a music school, like a in, after I graduated instead of a instead of a regular college. Um, my sister actually ended up going to a music school. Oh, cool! Um, and was a professional musician for a while. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you know, music has always been has always been part of my life. Um, I definitely wanted to be part of Alicia's life. Um, I, you know, and I think I have an advantage in that sense over my over my my parents. Um, because my mom was not a was not a musician, didn't really know how to play any instruments. Um, my dad played some guitar and banjo, um, but you know when when we were learning how to play music, it was all new for my mom as well. Um, whereas I think you know now um, I interact with Alicia every day, and we have music time. I play music with her. Um, we have all kinds of instruments that she plays on, um, and so I think it's something that she'll um, grow up with a little bit more closely than even I was able to. Sure. Um, so you know. I won't force it on her, but hopefully it'll be something that. Um, well, that's, I, I take that back. I, I will be making her uh, take music lessons yeah, yeah. until she's old enough to. You know, it's one, music is one of those things that when you're very little, um, some people are an exception, I guess. But when you're very little, you don't want to practice and you don't understand why you're practicing. Um, but then, at least for me and many people I've talked to, have been sort of the same situation. Like at, at a certain age, it just kind of clicks, and you're like, "Oh, this is why I've been practicing." Like I really appreciate the yeah. fact that I can do this now and that I have these sort of skills built in. Um, so, you know, um, I'm not, I don't want her to necessarily become a musician or anything like that, but I do want her to learn how to play an instrument, um, so that when she's finally, you know, 12, 13, 14 years old, um, she can look back and think, oh yeah, Yeah. I'm I'm glad I, I'm glad this is part of my life now. And I'm glad that I can, I can play music with other people. Um, you know, music just adds a big dimension to, to life. Do you, um, do you remember the moment when music clicked for you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Distinctly. It was, um, uh, I was at, um, so I, I would go to chamber music camp in the summers. Uh-huh. Um, and I remember when I was 13 years old, which is my third year at the camp, you know, I, I enjoyed playing music with other people and enjoyed playing chamber music, but it was when I was 13 years old. And I think it was the first time that I'd heard, um, Beethoven's string quartet, Opus 132, uh-huh. um, which has a really fantastic slow movement. It's like 20 minutes long, extremely slow, very, very difficult to play, deceptively difficult to play because it's so slow um, and because, uh, you know, you have to have sort of perfect tonality and perfect pitch. Um, But um, hearing that for the first time when I was like, oh, this is like, this is pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and so then I I got deeply into Beethoven, collected all the scores, um, you know, got every recording I could find. And so I I was in a deep Beethoven phase that I actually haven't really grown out of that much. That's cool. But the, yeah, the Beethoven string quartets are what sort of did it for me. Yeah. I mean, that's amazing to... um to lock in like that on something, you know, to, I get that totally. And you are a person of like, you, you don't like, it does not seem to me based on anything that I've seen, whether it be parenting or whether it be uh, cooking or, or 
food science or music, you don't you don't really uh, seem to cut corners. Like you, <laughs> you seem to go all in. Which is great. <laughs> do, do you have a do you have a rock and roll side? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, my my I can't remember. So my parents are both huge Beatles fans, uh-huh. um, and so I, I can't there. Were, I can't remember a time in my life when I didn't already know. Like I knew every Beatles song before the time I like since before I can uh-huh. remember. Um, yeah, I grew up listening to and loving the Beatles, um, and and still do. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, and I try and get her into, try yeah. and get her into them as well. Um, yeah. But yeah, be, you know, Beatles and Beatles and Stones and a lot of that, a lot of that classic sixties. Yeah, classic stuff rock. is uh, yeah. is mostly what I'm into. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let me ask you a question that is either deceptively easy or deceptively complicated. Okay. What's the relationship between music and cooking or food? Um, is there for you? Is there a relationship? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess they 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 both. It's it's hard to say, you know. So food has this element where it's it's a requirement for living. Music is not, um, but beyond that, once you're past that sort of requirement, basic subsistence level, um, uh, you know, food represents um, culture and pers- and and personality, and um, it's 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 it is a medium that I think is more um, is sort of very intrinsically linked to culture and history. Um, and music music is similar similarly that way. Um, Probably more so than other than other visual arts. The, although I, you know, I'm, it's, that's probably just my ignorance speaking. Like that, that, it's probably true of visual arts as well. I just don't know enough about visual arts to say that. But, um, um, but I guess like you know, like most arts, I guess they are, um, yeah, cult- culture and history. Cool. I think are are the are the big things. And 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 also like you know, it's one of those things that can speak to you on like a very pure emotional, non intellectual level. Where you know, when you when you eat something that reminds you of your childhood, like it's just like a direct link to, to, to a memory or a feeling. Um, you don't have to think about it. And similarly with music, um, you know, there's ways music can make you feel and you can't really explain why it makes you feel that way um, other than saying, oh, maybe it's nostalgia or it reminds me of this time yeah. when whatever. But, um, you know, I think both mediums can sort of give you pretty pure emotional responses without really an easy way to explain those responses. Yeah. It's totally unexplainable in some ways, like how you can take a bite of something and you're like, you were transported back yeah. or like you hear a song and you're like, Oh my gosh. Like yeah. when I first heard that, like every time I hear a more than a feeling by Boston, right. It's right. like a weird example, right, but right. like <laughs> I, I'm like transported back in time to when I was at summer camp and heard it for the first time. And I'm like, I can see where I was walking. I can see like <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what the people were doing. Boston, um, Brad, uh, um, Brad Delt, that, that's the lead singer, right? It Brad could Delt, be. Who, um, after Boston was over, um, spent many years as the lead singer of a, a Beatles, um, a Beatles tribute band really? in Boston. Also, Inter- yeah. interesting choice, right? <laughs> interesting choice. Um, okay, so I guess to expand on that question, this is going to get us to what you're doing musically is um, thinking about ingredients and thinking about parts of the song, right? Mm-hmm. If we were to make that comparison, what do what are like what are the I guess is what are the foundations, right? Like, what makes a good song for you? What makes a good recipe for you in terms of like you can count on this as the foundation i mean that there are many different types of good songs and many different types of good recipes um so i mean you can probably find like some a basic formula that'll work in both situations but that doesn't mean that there's not great stuff that exists outside that but you know like in 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 a song um i think i mean the, the important elements for me are um the, the basic chord structure and, and and you know and feel of it um then 
the lyrics are a little bit important, usually not the most important thing, and, and, and the tune. You know, and then everything else is sort of just garnish, like, uh-huh. instrumentation, you know, and obviously, again, with exceptions, there are songs that are made by their instrumentation, but everything else is sort of just garnish. But once you have that sort of basic structure yeah. down, um, you can, you're going to get a good song. And I mean, that's why so many, especially like in rock and roll and, and, and in different, you know, different types of classical music throughout history, that's why there there are certain structures that you see right. repeated over and over and over again and it's because it's an easy way to do it it's like you know it's like your your meat and three veg plate meat yeah. and two veg plate it's like this works as a meal so like, why, why not it's it's an easy choice it, yeah? yeah you know there, there's ways of course there's ways to serve meals that don't involve that um yeah. and obviously if you go to different cultures around the world then that's not the norm right um um and and, and this, the same in music you know western western music um stru- musical structure is not prevalent in most other cultures right um but uh, yeah, so I guess in, in food that would be you know yeah your your basic ingredients yeah. and, and the the overall structure of the plate yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and music is the overall structure of the song. Yeah, I've, uh, one thing that you said I don't I'm not I don't you know we don't need to elaborate on it, but I think we are in line of, in a lot of ways. Like when I listen to music, I don't really like I don't listen to the vo- like the words like the lyrical right. choices, but I listen to the melody and like that's what's um, that's. That's like secondary to like the does it move me like is there right. a groove right 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 do you right. feel like the you same? have to feel it yeah you gotta oh, yeah okay. like yeah. It, it, I feel like yeah that's one of those things where th- you have to have like a response to it just because just from the feel of it and then after that you can have a further response that makes it better if you yeah. listen to the lyrics and and think about them and they speak to you yeah but that's a sort of more second level intellectual response to lyrics yeah. um, whereas I think the, the primary response is a sort of purely emotional right. one that you get just from the right. feel of like, the song do you get do you get it in your guts right? yeah like that yeah. Kind doesn't of make thing. you tap your foot yeah you right know. like I've been in a major uh, Pearl Jam phase okay. but like not latter day Pearl Jam I'm like study like this is gonna sound so ridiculous but I think as someone who like has a similar maybe mindset about some things like I've been studying like the song Even Flow mm-hmm. and uh, the song Go and the song Animal, which are like two of the more, like they're definitely like. On I'm, the I'm not a big Pearl Jam. Big I know Pearl even Flo, but I'm not sure. Right. I probably well, would re- the, recognize the, the other. The the point, I guess, if I have a point, which I'm not sure I do, but the point would be like, there's something about when it like from start to finish, every choice is like I agree with this, like I mm. love this, right? So another example could be like. Um, I'm the walrus, right? If we wanted mm-hmm. to talk Beatle. Every choice they make in that song, I like, oh, I would make that choice. Like, yeah, that's, that's well, and, and I mean, ironically, I think a lot of the choices they made in that song were sort of um, products of randomness. Uh, also, you know, like like the, the weird recordings. Um, I think there's like a reading of like, uh, of there's like a Shakespeare reading in the middle of it in the background. Like, those are just like random clips that they had. I'm like, oh, let's stick this in around yeah. here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but you know, but the the overall effect, um, you know, they obviously it, it was sort of a, a planned randomness, yeah, um, which which really works with that song, yeah, totally. Um, so let's turn our te- let's turn our thoughts to kids' music. Okay, what draws <laughs> you? I mean, obviously, besides yeah. this, this, you know, your your amazing daughter who's walking around eating cheese, eating cheese and yeah. like <laughs> tearing it up in my sister's office, which I love. Um, <laughs> it's so amazing. But like, what? So I guess like the question is. Are you listening to a lot of kids' music these days? And if so, um, what? And then we'll get into it from there. Well, I mean, yeah, I listen to kids' music. Um, and I, I listen to kids' music even before I did. So, like, I'm a huge Rafi fan. Uh-huh. Um, I think he's, like, the best kids' musician, kids' songwriter. Um, particularly because he, he writes songs that aren't annoying to adults. They're not. Um, right? And kid, like, 
you know, Alicia, um, you know, I've played a couple, I played, I think, Joshua Giraffe for her and a few times when she was a real little baby, uh-huh. um, and definitely, and Baby Beluga, um, and she loves those songs, but, you know, but then, um, a few months after that, I got, like, a bunch of other Raffi albums, um, off of iTunes and just started playing them randomly in the car, um, and she, even if she's never heard the song before, if it's a Raffi song, like, there's a certain... Um, there's a certain way it's recorded. It's also obviously his voice, but she recognizes it. And so when when a Rafi song comes on, she starts like clapping yeah. and smiling. And like she, even if it was a song she'd never heard before, um, huh. like a tonal quality to his voice, almost right. Yeah, like, yeah. And and I think it's a lot of it is just good songwriting. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, the other thing I like about his music is that you know I'm a lover of terrible jokes and bad puns, and <laughs> and so is he. Um, <laughs> um, so. I just find his songs to be very fun for for both kids and adults, and also you know, well written. They yeah. have nice melodies. They yeah. have they have a nice structure. They're um, you know, it's it's not just good kids music. It's, it's good it's music. Good, period. Right. It's good music um, in general. And and you you know you do. It's not. Um, whoops. Oops. Right yeah. You okay. Yeah, I think she's fine. <laughs> she's fine. She's tough as nails. Yeah. <laughs> um. It, it the music is earnest. Um, the lyrics are earnest, but they're also, um, um, I think a, a lot of the songs are sort of emotionally relevant even to adults. Um, and they and they tackle issues on like a secondary level, level that maybe the kids don't even think about at first, but that actually do, you know, sometimes they're explicit. Like he writes songs about like saving the environment very right. explicitly right. and stuff like that. Right. Um, but you know, like a song like, like Joshua Giraffe, yep. which is about a giraffe that's stuck in a zoo. Um, and then has these like wild, crazy dreams about being free. Yeah. Um, and then you know grows wings and flies away. Yeah. Um, it's a little out. Uh, it's a little out there. It's a weird, weird <laughs> song. Um, but but you know, but it still has a um, an overall message of compassion and caring about the feelings, empathy, and feel, caring about the feelings yeah. of others, caring about the feelings of animals, um, and all that stuff that I think um, as a kid maybe you don't even realize that it's getting sort of built into you. But yeah. but it yeah, does. Totally. So you know, his songs have. His songs have morals in them beyond just, you know, Little Bunny Foo-Foo yeah. or, yeah. you know, those other sort of sillier kids' songs. Definitely. So, are you listening to other kids' artists? or um, a, a little bit. Um, I mean, we go to, so we go to, every Monday we go to a class at the, um, um, at the Beersford Center. Uh-huh. Um, the class is called Music Together. And, yeah. and so they have, um, they have a curriculum that... Um, Includes both, um, you know, they, they give us they give you a CD yeah. to listen to in the car, um, and they give you uh, music books. If so, if you play an instrument, you can play those songs at yeah. home. So we play some of those things too because she hears them in class. Yeah, cool. Uh, every week. Um, Hello, everybody. Yep. Right. Yep. That's the, that's the one. <laughs> that's the one. Okay, everybody. so so tell me what you're doing musically. As far as what you're writing, and what, I mean, I saw a picture. You had a you had the computer up. Yeah. There were some tracks that were visible on the <laughs> computer. Well, you know, I had I had a, a band in college, like a lot of people did, uh-huh. um, and um, so me and my old college bandmate, um, who's still you know my my best friend still, he lives in Boston, but um, you know we'd always talked about recording some songs together, and then when as we got a little older and we're both of the age to have kids, we're like maybe we should just do kids songs because uh-huh. we both like kids songs um so um you know so we decided um to uh we, we go hunting every year in, in michigan um for a few days um mm-hmm. and so on one of these hunting trips we were sitting around at night and we decided to write a kid song uh, write write um, a few kids songs um so you know we just started 
jamming out some stuff that night that wasn't very good. But then for the next <laughs> few months, separately, him and Boston and me here yeah. um, spent time working on some songs. Um, and then he visited, and as it turned out, like luckily I have a um, a neighbor, a fr- a, well, a friend of a friend who just converted his garage into a recording studio. Nice. Um, and so he said he'd be happy to um you know let us record in there and help us produce um, a couple Whoa, tracks cool. um so so we did that yeah, he came over here we spent um we spent a day you know uh, a 12-hour day recording uh, in the studio um yeah. and uh i guess popped out a couple songs yeah. um, neither of them completely finished but uh-huh. um but yeah it's been it's been fun that's fine yeah. that's um, real... and i play them for alicia and she loves them she so loves that's them that's yeah. great <laughs> that's totally awesome so um yeah, I guess like being in the studio, like when you have to put the pedal to the metal and record right. it. That's have you done that before? No. Okay. No. <laughs> so that's like a that's like a weird experience, right? You're like, how do we capture this? It is. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, and and it gives you deep respect for producers and recording engineers um, and people whose job it is to like figure out what the best tone is and like how to how to get instruments to sound yeah. natural. Um, and then of course there's all the mixing and all that stuff as well, but. Um, yeah, just simply like the number of different microphones that we tested and like <laughs> like locate like putting up mattresses yeah. and stuff and like dampening sound in various ways, um, and it all changes for each instrument. So it's a, it's a lot of work that goes into that. So yeah. you know when you're there for twelve hours, I would say seventy five percent of that time is like setting up the equipment to capture the sound right. in the way that Checking you want it to the be. Sound yeah. And- scratch tracks and metronomes mm-hmm. and all oh yeah yeah things, all that right? yeah. So how many songs do you guys have written? Um, I mean. I'd say we have about a half dozen that are relatively close to being at a point where we can spend a day recording them and come up with something that uh-huh. is good. Um, to, I mean, only the only only the two that we did were were really sort of complete, um, and of those, only one of them is actually mixed. Yeah. Um. So right now, there's only one completed mixed ready uh-huh. to play song. Nice. <laughs> so I have a good buddy. Uh, Josh the lawyer who's been on the podcast before and we've actually interacted with you on Twitter you are like one of the great social media users repliers um, <laughs> which is an amazing thing because as someone who often reaches out to people via social media um, it's like a 50% return and you are you are spot on so we have to thank you because you recommended Izakaya Ginji oh yeah, San yeah Mateo delicious nice. and uh, he wants to thank you for the macaroni and cheese recipe oh, that his daughter eats all the time. Which she had two days ago. Oh yeah? Did yeah. you love it? Uh, she was actually not that into it this time. <laughs> She's usually really into pasta. Yeah. Can she have this? Yeah, of course. I don't see why not. Um, and uh, so, you know, you're, you're his hero. So, <laughs> thanks for that. When, Kenji, when you're cheating, when you're like not eating like stuff that you've cooked, yeah. and you're like, I am hungry. I got to eat now. Yeah. Is there a favorite thing that you go to that maybe isn't like the, I don't, I don't want to say like the fast food realm. Uh, no, I, I mean, I sometimes go to fast food when I'm in a, when I'm in a rush and yeah. I, yeah, I'm in the car. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like probably once a month or so. Oh, um, do I have a go-to fast food place? Um, uh, I mean, if I'm, if I'm not in like a super rush, then probably in and out around here. Yeah. Um, but if I'm in a rush, it's usually because I'm driving between home and work Yeah, and there's a McDonald's on the way. So I get oh, a McDonald's and those McDonald's fries. <laughs> Woo. Okay. So can you just say a word about the new restaurant, where to find it and what, what the, oh, yeah. cause it's got an interesting focus. Uh, well it's called, it's called Versatall. It's, um, W U R S T H A L L. It's a, um, 
German style beer house, uh, beer hall. Um, so, um, German cuisine, but heavily sort of California influenced. So a lot more green things on the plate than you would, uh, than you would see in an actual German beer hall. Uh Um, but you know, it's sausages and schnitzel and sandwiches. It's nothing, you know, it's, uh, it's all very casual, um, good beer, uh, nice, nice open space. Great. Yeah. And it's in, uh, it's in downtown San Mateo. So, uh, corner of Baldwin Avenue and B street. Okay. We'll see you there. Um, so, and then the last thing before we get to, to a song is, how do we follow you? How do we find you? Website, etc. Oh, uh, I'm at Kenji Lopez Alt, K E N J I L O P E Z A L T, um, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, those are the places where I'm most active. Um, uh, and um, my website is kenjilopezalt.com um, for my personal website. Um, and then there's also seriouseats.com, um, which is where I'm currently a consulting um, consulting editor. Um, used to be the the culinary director, but after I had Alicia, you yeah. Know, Nice. Backed off to consulting nice. editor, and I think it's worth saying that your daughter has been immensely well behaved. <laughs> well, she's during very, the, she, very well she, entertained she, in she here. Tore it up, but uh, <laughs> what in the world? How are you doing it? You're the father <laughs> of the century. <laughs> All right, that was so awesome. Wasn't that awesome? Thanks so much to Kenji for taking the time to talk to me. He really is a great dad. It was so nice to see how caring he was towards his daughter. Um, really special. He's a special guy. He's got a lot of different talents. He's extremely smart. Uh, I loved spending time with him. So thanks again, Kenji. And uh, hey, if you need to reach me, you can always email me, mike at goodstuffpod.com. You can find me on social media, the at symbol goodstuffpod.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you very, very soon. Stuff.